0: Welcome to the Asylum. And now, your hosts, Rick Flieger and Rick Riggs.
1: Second time's a charm. That is right. This is the Asylum Fantasy Sports Show. Now a proud member of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. Find it at fulltimefantasy.com, at fulltimefantasy, on the tweeters. And as always, you can find the show at asylum Football on Twitter, AsylumFootball at gmail.com, AsylumFantasySports.com. Check out everything over at Full-Time Fantasy, $35 Best Ball League startup, all kinds of excitement for the free Best Ball World Championships, anything you need to do, get your butt out to Vegas, do some drafting, it's going to be a good time. This intro is getting longer and longer, Rick, and frankly, I'm having trouble handling it.
2: Well, that's okay. I mean, it's just so much happening, and you try to condense it, right we can just roll with it. We're, we're okay. I mean, we are Flickr and Briggs. This is the Asylum Sports Show. As Rick said, we're on the full-time fantasy podcast network and growing each day. You can find us through the uh, through the network on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, YouTube. Um, Essentially, you can't hide from us No, at this point. Um, We are everywhere. We may be going into other venues, Clipcast, um, other things. So, I mean, just... You can find a Spotify. There's another one. I mean, you can find this everywhere. Yeah. Sadly, so there's no excuse.
1: Yeah. Sadly, I don't know what half of that stuff is, but you smart people probably do. So, Rick, a lot going on. We got a special guest coming on here real soon. But before we do that, before we get into football, want to get golf expert, golf professional Rick Briggs' uh, thoughts on the the Open that wrapped up over the weekend.
2: You know, it was. I was. Excited as as I said last week about it going to rural Portrush, and I was I don't think it the course disappointed, it was just one of those tournaments where one guy played his butt off and nobody could keep up with him. Yeah, was, uh, we saw wow. Tiger do it before, we've seen Jack do it before, and some of the other guys over the years. Somebody just happened to get hot, it just wasn't that exciting towards the end. But I think the venue. Should return. I, th- I thought it was a very nice course to play and to watch it on. And it was you know, all my complaining I did about it leading
1: up to last week. Kind of the camera angles were good, a great job on the coverage by NBC. The course was kind of green.
2: Yeah, very green, you yes. You got
1: the weather. All the stuff I griped about you know, wasn't there. I'll tell you at the beginning of that tournament, was probably one of the most fun I've seen in a long time. Sunday kind of came and went with a thud after all the events of Saturday and Lowry just lapping the field. But you go back to Thursday and Rory coming out as the favorite and throwing up all over himself. Duvall shooting 15 and then winds up being a 13 on a hole. (laughs) the Sunshine and it's beautiful. Then, like a light switch, like you expect to happen in the open, somebody turns it on and it's raining sideways, and the wind's blowing. Brooks Koepka wanting to kill J.B. Holmes. I mean, there, there was a <laughs> lot of intrigue to this thing. Well, now while the final outcome was pretty much not in doubt from early Saturday morning on boy there was you couldn't ask for much in terms of storylines in terms of things to keep your attention for a tour. It was all, especially Thursday and Friday were fascinating to watch
2: i thought it was great yeah and like i said other than the fact that the that the finish was just really ho hum i mean you look at the um uh the top what is it the top 5 players final round scores 72, 74, 71, 73, 74, nothing really yeah. spectacular happened in round four. You know, the door actually was open for for somebody like a Fleetwood or a Lee Westwood to shoot a 66 right. and, and to make a charge, but just no one could get yeah. anything going. And the con- conditions Sunday didn't help that at all. No. It was... You know, these
1: 71, 72, 73s were about the best you could have conceivably hoped for. You know, ask ask uh, like Justin Rose, ask some of those guys who completely blew up on Sunday in those conditions. So, but but really a good time. I did like the course. Like I said, to see a little bit of green, it doesn't have to look like Augusta. You're not going to replicate that. It doesn't have to look like every cookie-cutter course the PGA Tour plays across the United States. But it didn't look like just a... The horrific gray you kind of right. like your soul you know what I mean it didn't look like that so I was happy about that
2: yeah and um, yeah the only the only complaint I would have is it just wasn't that close and exciting well, no. but other than that like you said there's a lot of intrigue there's a lot of interest the galleries were great um, the weather wasn't bad it was no. typical open t- uh, weather you know beautiful one minute. The warble, the necks, and so forth. Is it like that all the
1: time over there? It must
2: be, because every British Open yeah, I that, ever watch is the same. It's the only realm
1: I have to think of, you know, that area of the world is through the Open every year. And I just couldn't imagine living in a place where every four minutes the weather changes 180 <laughs> degrees completely every four minutes. It seems depressing.
2: Well, I guess you just... I guess it's it, why they it's drink so what's much. what's normal, right? you know. Is yeah. It? Yeah, why not? You go to a pub and you down a few pints, you don't care what it's doing. My only other disappointment,
1: I mentioned J.B. Holmes and Brooks Kepka wanting to choke him to death with, with his three-wood, was that was pretty cool on Saturday. Looking at the Spectre, and I was hoping it's Sunday, I wanted that final group to be Lowry and J.B. Holmes, two short, pudgy bearded guys going out there you know i'm tired of tiger and all his flexing for all these years and brooks kepka looks like a swimsuit model I, I want me a dumpy you know champion uh matt or yeah, a, like
2: patrick reed yeah, yeah. Give me a
1: dumpy major champion and getting two of them battling it out with the beards i was excited about that but jb had him a bit of a time saturday so that didn't quite work out
2: well saturday he shot a 69 oh it, was it, it sunday he it was sunday him. Okay, this is J.B. Holmes round All right. or, or rounds, excuse me. Sixty six, very nice. Yeah, very nice. Sixty eight, good and solid, right there. Sixty nine, normally would have been good. Lost some ground to to Lowry, but still second place. He's right, right. there. Then, uh, then on Sunday, whoops, we went from what second place to a smooth eighty seven. Nice. That's three less than 90, man. Yeah, didn't they say he cost himself, I forget how
1: many hundreds of thousands of dollars they said it wound up costing him from where he started the day to where he wound up? It well, was some see. obscene like He shot
2: 290, and he shot an 87. So he shoots, what, he shoots a 70. He is 273. He's second place. Second place paid $1.1 $1. 1 million. And he actually got 25 grand. So, so uh, yeah, it cost dip. him a million bucks. That, 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 that's got to sting. Even even for a rich guy,
1: that <laughs> one's got to hurt a little well, bit. Well,
2: an 87 is going to sting if you're on the tour, well, if you're playing man. for free. Oh, I'd I
1: mean, be sized for an 87. That would be awesome. I can't break uh, 112, I don't think. I believe that. Although I haven't been on a course in a couple of years, I finally gave it up. So, uh, I guess before we move on, before we bring our guest in, keeping it with golf, how do you feel now about it's, what, mid-July and the majors are over? You
2: all right with that? Oh, yeah, I'm fine with it. I never did like the PGA being held in August. And, you know, we talked about it last week. I thought it was excellent that the PGA was in May. The conditions were nice. The weather was better instead of being in Shoal Creek in Alabama while everything's the color of this table. Right,
1: 142 (laughs) degrees with the humidity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I actually like it. I I heard some purists, I guess, kind of complaining about it, but why go up against the NFL, number one? I think that's just logical, and, and from a weather standpoint, I think what I don't, I don't care that they're doing it, but I think the real reason why they did this was try to line up things better and make the you know, the FedEx playoffs more of a thing, right? And I'm never going to care about that. The fact that, you know, isn't Tiger Woods still fifth in that, and he basically hasn't made contact since the Masters ended with a ball, so I don't know, that delegitimizes that thing to me but but I, I like the calendar and it, I I don't mind it being over it's football time now
2: Yeah and and it gives it gives the players a chance maybe to wind down cuz when is the um the FedEx Championship I mean, of course you have this I don't know this isn't a Ryder Cup year is it I don't believe so But I mean the Ryder Cup would be coming up right. so I mean that makes things a little difficult if you're playing mid August at a major, right? I mean, you really—I mean, that's a lot of pressure. You know, if you're in contention, a lot of gearing up. You know, all of a sudden, a couple of weeks later, now you're at, you know, something probably a little more important. If you, you know, depending on how you look at it, right. with the Ryder Cup. So I, I don't know. Kudos to them actually moving it to May. Yeah, I like the I like the new
1: calendar, and I think the, all the majors had their intrigue this year. We talked about didn't trick up the course too bad for the USO, US. but I think I think it was a good year, a real good year.
2: I I do too. And I mean, I really like the way talk about the interest never really waning in May and June, which when it shouldn't. You know what I mean? Cuz I mean that should be prime time. You have the PGA was in May. We've already had the Masters and you go to the in some of the other tournaments after that. Then you had the PGA then you had, right after it, was the Charles Schwab Challenge, which I think was that match play tournament. Okay. All and right. then the Memorial, the Canadian Open, the U.S. Open, all in a row. I mean, that that is a nice five that weeks looks, of golf. A nice little stretch. I like it. Yeah. All right, Rick. Well, I think it's time we take a break here and bring on our guest. That's a great idea, Rick, and it's our great privilege to bring in uh, Anthony Servino. You know him on Twitter as the real NFL guru and co-host of the FF Face-Off podcast. Anthony, appreciate you taking the time to join us here
0: in the asylum. No, thanks for having me, guys. Happy to be here.
2: All right. Hey, uh, we kind of talked a little bit before the show um, about a little disagreement on some of the, I don't know what you would call them, second, third maybe even fourth <laughs> tier tight ends. I mean, you know, you go, you're Kittle, Kelsey and Ertz and everybody else is almost thrown in a bucket here. And, you know, when there's, you know, you, you don't play a lot of fantasy football or you, you know, you play in one league, some, you know, you get your magazine a week before, you know, some of these positions are cut kind of muddled to the average guy in, in a redraft situation. And, uh, you know, I, I think we might as well just start. You know, really with the consensus right now that um, you know OJ Howard is is the fourth ranked tight end behind these big three, but I think everybody can agree that he's head and shoulders below them as far as stats.
0: Yeah, you know, outside of um, you know Kelsey, you can say he's almost in a tier of his own, and then you have Kittle and Ertz. Um, with Ertz there is a slight chance of a little bit of a regression because of the additional weapons in Philadelphia, because of the uncertainty uh, if Carson Wentz goes down. And also there's Dallas Goddard. Um, But in that next tier with OJ Howard, uh, not only, Uh, Do all the players, whether you're talking about O.J. Howard, Evan Ingram, and Hunter Henry, they all have injury concerns, and they all play uh, with a pretty good supporting cast, especially O.J. Howard with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and even a Justin Watson or Brashad Perriman coming up behind him.
2: Yeah, and it seems like... Um, when you're talking Tampa and O.J. Howard, you know, Cameron Brait's going to get a little share of that. I mean, he, he's a pretty quality um, tight end in his own right. And, um, you know, I, I see him playing, you know, more than many backups do on a lot of other teams.
0: Yeah, and Brate has always had a great rapport in the red zone with Jameis Winston. Uh, he's almost like a safety blanket. I don't really see that going away. The only possibility uh, that I see things opening up more for OJ Howard is if Tampa Bay ends up dealing away Cameron Braid to a team like the Patriots, which almost seems like too logical of a fit.
1: Oh yeah, that that makes way too much sense. He'll, he'll end up uh, some somewhere with a crowded. Tight end field. I, I wonder. You mentioned Dallas Goddard. Now I'm, I'm looking right now. His current ADP over at uh, Full Time Fantasy is, is coming in at a to me a, a surprising 14. With that Zach Ertz being the consensus, almost the consensus number two. I guess there could be an some folks are making an argument for Kittle, but a consensus two or three. Is there enough in that Philadelphia offense? It, it, can this offense operate in a way to support both of these tight ends as by you know as a top five? offense? Option And even another viable number one tight end option.
0: I like Dallas Goddard a lot in dynasty leagues. Um, If I'm buying a Eagles tight end for the future, it's Dallas Goddard. But for uh, your standard redraft league, I, I, I can't do it because of Zach Ertz and Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey and everything else they have going on there. Um, maybe we see a little bit of an uptick in production uh, that from what we saw last year out of Dallas Goddard, but unless you're in a a tight end uh, in a league where you can start two tight ends, um, I just can't see drafting Dallas Goddard that high.
1: Yeah, it's surprising. He just seems to get more and more run. And I just I'm having a hard time, you know, sort of sort of justifying it in my head. So so we talk about that, you know, lock him up top three. You talk about O.J. Howard. I, I agree. That's an excellent point. He's kind of in his own little tier there before the everybody else comes up after that. If there's one guy out there that, that you're looking, you, you're missing those top three, you don't pull the trigger on O.J. Howard, is there any tight end out there right now who could break into the top three, who could bust up that top three, assuming no injuries, of course?
0: I don't know if there is a tight end out there that can bust into the top three, but if there's a tight end that I'm taking, um, I'm waiting and taking Vance McDonald. Uh, Vance McDonald has a little bit of an uh, injury concern in his past, but he is playing on the Steelers team that they lost uh, Jesse James, who took some red zone targets away from Vance McDonald. They also lost Antonio Brown. And Vance, I believe he was third on the team in targets last year behind Juju and behind Antonio Brown. And I know everybody is making a big deal out of Dante Moncrief and uh, Deontay Johnson and... Uh, James Washington, but I've said this all off season long. If Vance McDonald can give you 15, 16 games, he is going to be the number two uh, in targets on the Steelers. I yeah. truly believe that.
2: Uh, you're taught, you're preaching to the choir here. We're up here in Northwest PA. And I'll tell you what, with, especially with Jesse James gone, I agree with you hundred percent. There's a little bit of injury history with Vance McDonald, but when this guy is right, He's top five tight end if, if he stays healthy, no question about it and I tell you what the guy is a beast I mean it, it's still legendary the the stiff arm from last year I mean that, it's just classic and you know like I said, with, with Jesse James gone off to Detroit, he's basically by himself, and it certainly is a bit of a gamble I think on the Steelers part because of his injury history um. But if he stays healthy, man, they're golden. There's there's no doubt about that.
0: You know, another tight end that I like. Uh you have you can wait. You know, uh in the Scott Fishbowl, I basically punted the tight end position and grabbed a few late guys like Trey Burton. Um, he finished as the tight end eight last year and he's going almost as, what, the you know 15th, 16th tight end off the board. Uh, Jimmy Graham had 91 targets, and he's an afterthought. Um, he, Jimmy Graham is going in his second year with Aaron Rodgers, which is going to help their rapport. Uh, Jimmy Graham, if you look back into his statistics, in his second year with every team, whether it was the Saints or the Seahawks, he had a big season, and... I don't think much has changed in Green Bay. Um, It's the same cast of receivers. So I believe Jimmy Graham is going to drastically outperform his ADP.
2: Yeah, I agree. Jimmy Graham is is a proven commodity as well. And he's starting to get a little bit up there in age. But 32 certainly isn't over the hill yet. And he's got a lot of good football with him. And and certainly with Aaron Rodgers, there's a premier quarterback and. They're going to have to really score a lot of points, I think, this year because their their defense is suspect. And, you know, quite frankly, I think a lot is on Aaron Rodgers this year. Uh, McCarthy's out of town. And, uh, LeFleur. He's, yeah, he's already feuding with LeFleur a little bit. So, I mean, I think there's a lot to prove with Aaron Rodgers. And Jimmy Graham can certainly alleviate a lot of problems um, in situations where you see Aaron Rodgers running around and throwing it out of, out of play to, to save a sack and so forth, and like you said, second year with this offense, he could very well be a, be, I don't know, top eight. I mean Is that feasible? I mean, when you start looking at um, you get rid of the top three and even Howard, um, there, there's a lot of mixed emotions with those tight ends up there.
0: You know, top eight. You know, he finished in the PPR as the tight end twelve, I believe, and he was barely visible in the red zone. And again, ninety-one targets in that offense. Uh, if he scores a, a couple of more touchdowns, then yeah, he's a top eight tight end.
2: Yeah, I agree. And uh, let, let's face it, we look at um, you know, I, I, you know, we kind of uh, you know format the show to to a lot of redraft people that that. Don't just we're not just geeks at twenty four out twenty four seven with football. Like us. Yeah, like us. That's what I'm saying. Um Eric Ebron, the thirteen touchdowns last year, just an amazing year. I tend to I'm not agreeing with his with his ADP with Jack Doyle coming back. I think Eric Ebron, although gonna be solid, I think there's some regression there because Jack Doyle has a history with luck, and I don't think that he's going to be sitting on the bench and it just evens out, I believe, in his indie offense. And disclaimer here,
1: Anthony, before you respond to that, if there is one tight end in the league that Rick Briggs could start a life with, it would be it would be Jack Doyle. So be careful how you respond to that.
0: You know, I like Jack Doyle a lot, and I also expect a regression out of Eric Ebron. Uh, with or without Jack Doyle in the lineup. Uh, because if you think back to free agency, they brought in Devin Funches, who is essentially, he's almost like another tight end, a uh, big bodied presence uh, with a good catch radius in the end zone. I think Devin Funches is going to take some of Eric Ebron's uh, red zone targets. And then Jack Doyle, when Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron were both healthy last season, Jack Doyle was the go-to guy uh, in between the twenties. And then we saw Eric Ebron get the ball in the red zone. Um, Jack Doyle last year, uh, week one, he had uh, he was a tight end seven. Uh, in week eight, uh, when he came back, he had nineteen points. He was a tight end two. Um, so he saw the production. As well as Eric Ebron. Uh, So if I'm taking any Colts tight end, I am probably going to fade Ebron and, and take a Jack Doyle a little bit later.
1: It, it was just so much fun to watch Ebron succeed in that offense after the brutality we all, as a fantasy community, laid on him his entire time in Detroit. Let, let's spin back. You talk about how, how cool it would be to, to send a Cameron Break to New England. Uh, I guess, number one, you can't really answer. Just curious. I like to take everybody's temperature on this. Do you think, you know, we see Gronk before this season comes over? And if we don't, is there somebody else up there at that tight end position who can even come within a sniff of any the type of production that Gronk put up
0: I think there is a chance we see Rob Gronkowski I know he was taken by over 30 participants in the Scott Fish Bowl Um, I know he is still being taken in deeper leagues but if Rob Gronkowski doesn't come back and if you've seen recent pictures of Gronkowski, he looks like he dropped 50 pounds. So I don't know how he could sure come knows. back in the shape he's in right now and still be the same player, especially blocking-wise. But there's really nobody else. Um, ben Watson, you know, coming back from a suspension. I, I, what is he going to give you at his age? Talk about Jimmy Graham being, you know, over 30. I think Ben Watson's, uh, you know, 37, 38 years old. Yeah. Uh, Matt Lacoste, very unproven commodity. They signed Lance Kendricks today. So exactly. they're trying to find a tight end. I just don't know if they're going to pick one off uh, off the streets or they're going to have to go trade for one. Yeah, and
1: you just wonder. There, there's just such that special chemistry, right, with with a guy like Gronk. Even when you look back to... What Jimmy Graham has been post Drew Brees, this is something Rick talks about a lot. Where I think that tight end position, if they find a guy and a guy they trust, will have some value. You know, take take the talent disparity out of it. Just I think that offense is going to change. This may be mean big things for James White. I don't even is it possible he even gets more catches? I don't know if that's conceivable from a run for a running back. But I'll be really interested to see what this looks like. And I suspect Gronk, even if he wanted to come back, may have a little issue with a drug test at some point uh, coming back immediately.
2: Going to... You alluded to something, Rick, with uh, Jimmy Graham and, and the chemistry he had with Drew Brees. I'm not buying it. Me and Rick have argued about this. I'd like to get your take on it, Anthony. Right now, current ADP Jared Cook is at 8. He, had, he comes off a, a career year last year in Oakland when basically he was the only guy that um, Carr could throw to. He's coming to New Orleans. There's nothing to back up this ADP in my mind. There's, ever since Jimmy Graham left, there's not a tight end that has really succeeded in this offense. And this is going to be a first year with, with this offense. I think he's way overvalued at number eight.
0: Um, I'm kind of on the fence. With Jared Cook a little bit. I think the opportunity is there. You know, you say that the Saints haven't really had a good tight end since Jimmy Graham, but I don't think until now with Jared Cook, they had an athlete um, of the same caliber or similar caliber to Jimmy Graham like they have in Jared Cook. Kobe Fleener wasn't it. Uh, ben Watson, we just talked about him a little bit. Ben Watson had a really good year. I believe it was 2015, uh, 74 of 110 targets, uh, six touchdowns, 825 yards. So, yes, there is production to be had. Um, The good thing for Jared Cook is outside of Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, there is not a lot of proven pass-catching targets on the Saints. Traquan Smith, we don't know what he is. And outside of that, what else do they have? So Jared Cook could ultimately become the wide receiver two on the Saints, almost like we saw with uh, Eric Ebron last year with the Colts.
2: Yeah, I think you and uh, my cohort over here are in the same camp. I'm a little, I, I'm just you know why not. you hate
1: Jared Cook? I don't
2: hate that. Jared Cook. I I, I don't. Um, I'm just not ready to jump in all the way on a Jared Cook at eight. Vance McDonald's below him. The Joku's below him. Um, I, I agree. The opportunity, you know, the potential, I guess, is there in that offense. Obviously, um, I don't know. I, I, There's just something, you know, you can call, you know that this day and age everybody's a hater or something, you know, nothing against the guy. I think he's a good talent and certainly going to be, you know, he's a, he's a tight end one. I just think there's he's just a little bit high in the ADP going a first year into this team. But uh, that's me. It's 2-1, to one and I lose this one. That's right. So, so we got some big names, some
1: name-brand tight ends coming off injuries. Delaney Walker, Greg Olson, Tyler Eifert, unfortunately. Boy, it's so exciting a few years ago and in, in having injury concerns. Anybody out there, maybe kind of those name-brand guys who have slipped into the late teens and 20s for their ADPs that you think we, we could expect a bounce back for that you may find, it, find a value
0: with? Um, If I am going to take a chance on one of the uh, aging tight ends coming off of an injury, I know today we heard the news that Greg Olson said he's been medically cleared for football activities with no limitations for a few months. Uh, But he has Ian Thomas behind him, who looked like a completely different player in the final quarter of last season than he did uh, in the first quarter of the season. Uh, Speaking of Ian Thomas, Tyler Eifert. Uh, is productive when he is on the field. But again, you know, I don't, it doesn't, it seems like Eifert can never stay on the field. Delaney Walker's my guy. Delaney Walker is the player, is the, uh, you know, the tight end coming off of an injury that I'm really intrigued by because we know what he can do with the Tennessee Titans and with Marcus Mariota. Um, He never really missed a lot of time before last season. And I, th- I think he still has some juice left.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and opportunities in, in that offense, I think he, he can be a big part of it, a big asset to, to a quarterback you know, with the the limitations, I, I, guess, I guess we'll say, of a Marcus Mariota.
0: Well, and, and,
1: uh, yeah, and, go, and, go ahead. Uh,
0: with Greg Olson, Greg Olson has always been productive because he was really their wide receiver one. Now in Carolina, if you factor in Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, and Curtis Samuel, Olsen or the tight end position as a whole doesn't really have to be leaned upon uh, like it did in the past.
2: Yeah, that's true. I mean, he came to Carolina the same year that um, Cam Newton arrived in Carolina, and and obviously they became a tandem. We talked about this a little bit last week on the show, Olsen Um, essentially accounted for 25% of all, uh, you know, of Newton's production, passing yards, passing TDs, um, passing completions. And, I mean, that is a huge chunk of that offense when you, you know, factor in the amount of yards that Cam Newton rushed for. So, yeah, I I agree with you. Um, with, With Ian Thomas behind him, we may see a little less of Greg Olson, Um, because they probably want him for 16 games if they're they're going to get into the playoffs and they're going to need him. There's no doubt I think this guy is a guy that Cam Newton trusts and leans on, and he's a team leader. So they definitely want him there for the entire season. Delaney Walker, still I, I think you're right. I think he has plenty in the tank. Mariota has some limitations, but I think that makes Delaney Walker even more valuable.
0: Yeah, and aside from last year, uh, since 2013, his first year with the Titans, uh, Walker has had at least 86 targets, 60 receptions, 571 yards, and three touchdowns. Right. I'll take it.
1: All right, well, Anthony, we'll, we'll get you out of here on this. This is sort of the, the million-dollar question for me. I My, my ears perked up. I, I've got a brother in arms in you in that even in a, uh, a league geared towards uh, a rewarding tight ends, I waited way too long in the in the Scott Fish Bowl myself <laughs> to, to start picking up tight ends. But in your average redraft league, are you? in general now if one of these guys falls obviously there's a million scenarios where this could change but in general where do you start looking for your tight end do you seek out those top three or are you looking for oj howard or are you waiting digging for gold later on in your draft
0: um i find myself um waiting um till at least you know uh, rounds eight nine ten to try to get a vance mcdonald and if that doesn't work out, then I'm going to wait even longer and go get a Jimmy Graham and you know a Mark Andrews and pair those two up and stream the position. Yeah,
1: I'm with you there.
0: Yeah, That's no a- doubt.
2: One one final question, Anthony. We've we've got to hit it. You and I talked a little bit, I think, on on the the Twitter there. A guy that that I had probably six, seven years in a row, ten years ago. Jason Witten coming back out of the booth. To save Dallas cowboy offense from uh, disaster is there <laughs> is there any value in this thirty seven year old with bad knees?
0: um almost similar uh, I forgot who we were talking about um earlier. But you, you know, almost similar to a Dallas Goddard. If you're in a league where you can start two tight ends, or if you're in a tight end premium league where you get points for a first down or a Scott Fishbowl, then yeah, I believe Jason Witten's going to have value. Maybe even a PPR league. Um, I don't think Jason Witten is going to do much in terms of yards after the catch. But he has a pre-existing rapport with Dak Prescott in the red zone. Jason Witten also knows where the first down marker is. So he knows that he can make his, you know, a three-yard out cut across, you know, the first down marker and fall down, which is what we are, which is what we are going to see out of Jason Witten. He could catch 60 passes um, and average really, you know, for no yards but he doesn't really need to in a PPR league. All you're worried about is receptions and touchdowns. And that's something I think we can see out of Jason Witten.
2: I tend to agree with you. I'm
1: uh yeah, I, <laughs> that's got to excite you, Rick. That is the longest, healthiest relationship you ever had. I, with I, Jason I swear Witten. to
2: God, Anthony, I probably owned him probably <laughs> eight, nine years in a row and he
0: never let me down. And, and you know, I just, mean, I'm glad he's out of the booth. Look at the other tight ends on the Cowboys roster. Um, the best one last year was Jeff Swain and he's in Jacksonville. Blake Jarwin had a three touchdown game against the Giants, but if you you know if you follow historical stats, Jason Witten and Cowboys tight ends own the Giants. Right. So that could be more of an anomaly with Blake Jarwin. I think Jason Witten is is going to be you know he's not going to be what he was, but he can he get you you know a uh, four or five touchdowns and 60 receptions and four or 500 yards. Absolutely.
1: And if if you're waiting to the double digit rounds, I think you'll take that. Well, Anthony, we certainly appreciate your time. Great stuff. Why don't you take a minute and let, uh, let everybody know where they can find you.
0: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at The Real NFL Guru. You can follow my show uh, at The FF Face Off, at the Full Time Fantasy Podcast Network. And we also have a live stream on YouTube. Uh, we're on all the top social media platforms. And I'm also the senior NFL and fantasy football writer at uh, Gridiron Experts.
2: Okay, I tell you what, check him out. Anthony, we certainly appreciate you taking the time to join us here. And, uh, you know, I hope before uh, the season's over, we can uh, enjoy your company again.
0: Absolutely, anytime.
2: All right, Anthony, you take care. All right, that was good stuff there with Anthony. Uh, Rick, moving on from tight ends, yeah. there just happens to be a position that I think we have a little bit of uh Subject matter to talk about, and that's okay. wide receiver. All right. From the Kansas City Chiefs.
1: Yes, yes, yes. A sticky wicket, if, if you will.
2: And uh, is it? I mean, okay, everything else aside. Okay. We know that Lord Goodell is crazier than a loon when it gets down to discipline. Right. In fact, I even put a tweet up. I put a roulette wheel up there, and it's called the Goodell Suspension Wheel because noted Twitter troll. Basically, what it is is you have no idea what is coming down the pipe. Put that aside. Okay. Okay. So I want to go back to that, but I'll put it in a box for now. Exactly. We have Tyreek Hill, who is not charged with any crimes. Right. And there's no charges pending. Right. And the NFL, for whatever reason, were not supplied with or could not obtain um, facts or subject matter re- involving that incident. Right. Decided not to suspend Tyreek Hill. Stunner. Uh, an absolute stunner. It is an absolute stunner. Point being, there was a lot of... of uh, Chatter out there from analysts, from fans, whatever, on Twitter, in, in the social media, on how they wouldn't touch him with a 10 foot pole. Liars. Um, whatever. If you care about your fantasy football team and Tyreek Hill's there when you want him, are you taking him because you don't like him as a person? Is he actually play coming to your house that it, that's the point and, and taking care of your children or spending time with your wife and beating them up? I mean, is this this has nothing to it, it's fantasy football. He is a phantom. He's a number. He's, He's a, a number, number, yes, on your little right. computer screen. Right. As simple as that. This is virtue sing-
1: signaling. That's the new new phrase, isn't it? Isn't that what we call it now? This is virtue signaling to the nth degree. Now, let's say you feel you have enough. Look, I don't think there's any doubt. He Tyreek Hill's a bad dude, right? He's just not a good guy. Whether or not he did this, I don't know. I don't know if this is a circumstance where He actually didn't do it, or there just wasn't enough proof. It it doesn't matter for, for the purposes of this discussion. But I think we know he is a bad dude. So if you feel so strongly about that, so strongly that this happened, or so strongly that you don't want to support Tyreek Hill, I'm okay with that. So here's what you do. You don't buy his jersey. You don't buy tickets to Chiefs games. Maybe you go so far as to if you're going to employ people that I consider this crummy as human beings, that, to use your word. I always say, well, I don't know why I say crummy. I think of you, but you say that a lot, and it's an old-timey phrase. But anyhow, I'm, I'm going to have nothing to do. I'm not going to watch the NFL. I'm not going to buy tickets. I'm certainly not going to wear this guy's jersey. All right, now you're taking action. Here's what's not taking action, getting on Twitter and saying, I would never draft Tyreek Hill to be a part of my fantasy football team because of these allegations or because of these high crimes and misdemeanors. Who cares what you're going to do with your stupid fantasy football team? First of all, if your pick comes around in the ninth round and you're in a nut league with a bunch of other virtue signalers and he's still sitting there, you's going to take him. I guarantee it. But you're not proving anything to Tyreek Hill. You're not proving anything to the NFL. And you're not proving anything to those 9 billion losers on Twitter that you're taking the moral high ground that Tyreek Hill will never be race my fantasy football quad. Shut up with that stuff.
2: That, that's the kind of stuff that drives me out of my mind. I agree. You're you putting, want some kind of credit for that? You're you know? putting up good money to buy this fantasy team and you are going to ignore the potential number one receiver in the entire NFL. That That is just not sound advice to anyone. Right. And us sitting here, blathering into these microphones, trying to talk common sense into the average redraft player and so forth, don't let personal feelings get into it. If if you are a Cleveland Browns fan, are you going to ignore – did you ignore Antonio Brown for all those years as a Steeler because you don't like the Steelers or as a Raven fan – you know, you ignored Antonio Brown or, or whoever, whatever team hates another team. If you're a Packer fan, did you ignore whoever, Tariq Cohen on the Bears because right, you don't right. like the Bears? No. I mean, it has nothing to do with the success of your fantasy, which is a fake football team. Right. right. In hopes that you win a little money, a little bragging rights against your buddies. Right.
1: Now, let's take that aside. I would never do it, and I don't recommend doing this. I could live with your, your average low-stakes you know, home league guy saying, look, I, I feel very strongly about this for whatever reason, and I am convinced Tyreek Hill did this. I am not going to draft Tyreek Hill because I don't want to be in the position to have to root for him at any given point. Again, nothing I would do, but look, it's your team. I got no problem with that. What I can't stand for is you putting it out on Twitter and then you want me to send you a a chocolate or a rose petal or something thanking you for being above it all. That's the thing that bothers me. And in the minute this news came out, the minute it came out and everything breaks on Twitter, there was two – you could almost put them in two buckets, right? And that's all there was. There was two buckets. There was the outrage, right, for, for the incident and the inconsistency of the NFL. That I can live with. That discussion I can live with. But equally, if not a bigger bucket, was all the virtue signaling asses talking about how, well, this may be the case, but I will never draft him on my fantasy team. So, w- w- so what? Uh, what yeah. do you want me to do with that? You, you want to. Don't you know, let me in your leg. You know, what what <laughs> do people say? You, you want a medal? Look, that doesn't make you better than anybody else. So well, why are we declaring this to the world? Look, I kind of get it. If you feel very strongly, I'm not a very good person, so I don't feel very strongly about much of anything. (laughs) But if you feel real strong about this and you don't want to be in that position to have to root for him, so be it. But don't, once you put it out on social media, you're just looking for credit is what you're doing. You want a pat on the back for being a better human being than any of us other troglodytes who would dare draft him. This is my problem with it.
2: Right, exactly. And, you know, it goes against everything that you and I have talked about on these microphones for the last eight or nine years. I am not going to give bad advice to people seeking, you know, fantasy advice right, right. by saying, "Oh, I w- don't draft him; he's a bad person." Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. that's just that's ridiculous. You know what? Not, you want yeah. Do you want to know what "crummy" means, according to Merriam-Webster? I do bad, bastard, bush, bastard, bushlig, deficient, dissatisfactory, ill, inferior, lame, lousy, off, paltry, poor, punk, sour, suboptimal, subpar. (laughs) Oh, I like (laughs) suboptimal. Yeah, this show too. is
1: suboptimal. Sub- <laughs> Sounds yeah. a lot
2: nicer than you suck. <laughs> yeah, crummy. That's a crummy show. It's suboptimal. Suboptimal. Unacceptable. Un- unsatisfactory and whack. <laughs> well, as Rick
1: Briggs always says, whack. Yeah. Does it give the derivation where it comes from, why we use that? Because um, it doesn't really lie. The, f-
2: the first known use of crummy <clears throat> was in 1567. 1560. 1567. 1567. And it's um, Middle English uh, was spelled crummy with an E instead of a Y back then, but it was still, you know, crummy, and that's what it meant. It was just. The dry cleaners did a crummy job of pressing my suit as an example. This show is suboptimal. See, I I like
1: that a lot better. So speaking of crummy, suboptimal, and whack, (laughs) let's go back to this Tyreek Hill thing now on the NFL side, on on the Roger Goodell side. So this may be an unpopular viewpoint I have on this because, you know, anybody yelling that, about the inconsistencies, about all those type of issues. I'm with you 100%. Look, we we saw going back several years. And
2: that's my only complaint.
1: Right. Really? Right. Yeah, going back several years, you know, Ben Roethlisberger missed games when no charges were brought, nothing came. Everybody's got a different opinion. All these things, the Ezekiel Elliott thing was either disproven or – Whatever. And what did he miss, six games he he ended up missing? Yeah. Tom Brady missed four games for deflated footballs. I mean, so the inconsistency of this is maddening. Here's why I – this sounds so bad to say, that for what all we know right now is we don't have any evidence that this happened with Tyreek Hill. So I'm happy with the NFL coming to this decision in this regard – If this is the palate cleanser, if this is the start over moment where we're saying, as the NFL, when the the legal system cannot determine innocence or guilt or doesn't have enough to bring charges or whatever, and then... In our independent investigation, we, we have the same issue, right? We can't prove this, prove this while we have no legal authority. We can't prove it. We got nothing now. We've got absolutely nothing, so we're going to have to hold our nose and not suspend. If this is the policy going forward, I think this is a good thing for the league in In as much as this, in getting some consistency into this thing, right? Now, if the next guy comes along and he catches two, four, six, eight games, whatever it is, then you say, hold on a minute, something, something stinks, and now – I guess I'm viewing this as this is such a departure from anything Lord Goodell has done, from anything the league's done in the last 10 years with discipline and this player conduct policy. If this is that start over point where we're going to defer more to the legal system and, you know, only assign accountability where things can be proven either in the court of law or by – you know, even by your NFL security, I think as, as icky as this feels, I think this might be a good thing. Now, do I have any confidence that the next guy won't get 12 games for jaywalking? No, I you know, I don't have any confidence in that. But doesn't it feel like that? Because otherwise, this is a complete and utter stunner.
2: Well, it really is. And, I mean, we have uh, Jaron Reed suspended for an instant for, what, 2017? 2017, yeah. And – why? I this, to me, the, this is what's maddening. 2017, why was he not suspended in 2017? I mean, it's not like he went to court just yesterday and they decided, okay, great, we're going to suspend this guy. I mean, this, this is done. It's two right. years ago. Yeah. yeah. And now we're going to suspend him and Tyreek Hill take, gets a pass. And that's where the maddening um, ins- inconsistency comes through, and that's why people get so angry. Um, I-, I just don't understand it. So, and-, and he's getting what six games? I think it's yeah. the first six yeah. games.
1: Yeah, that's that's an eternity. It it really is, especially in a sixteen game. Sure, season. it's almost half the year. So, like I said, I hope this is. The palate cleanser, because here's what bothers me with with Hill not being suspended. By the way, this has been applied in the past. you know it was was it last year? Rick? Jimmy Smith missed four games. For kind of similar threats to what Tyreek Hill made, and what we do have, right, that audio recording, you know, where you ought to be, what right. was it, You ought to be afraid you of me to or whatever he me, right. said. Yeah, you know, Jimmy Smith caught four games for that, so I thought that would be the baseline, and I think the NFL could hide behind that at a minimum if you, from a PR standpoint, felt like probably correctly, PR-wise, Tyreek Hill needs to sit out some games here. We need to – so the fact that that didn't happen just makes me wonder if there's more to this, right? Is this the league saying, all right, if we can't prove it, if it doesn't rise to this level, you know, in the court of law with the police, we're done touching it? Is it part of a negotiation with the CBA coming I, – I don't know. I, I don't know what to make of it. It's really – you know, but, but quit virtue signaling on Twitter. I don't care that you're not putting them on your fantasy team. Then don't, but don't ask me to thank you and congratulate you I for agree. Yeah, you know, that, that's all.
2: And, and, and while you were talking, I just happened to pull up 2019 suspensions. All right. Okay, we're going to throw out PEDs, and we're going to throw out okay. um, substance abuse. Okay? We still have, of course, we already brought up um, Jaron Reed, personal conduct. Richie Incognito, personal conduct. Uh, conducts, um, Chad Kelly, uh, Reuben Foster, conduct detrimental to the league, Rashid Hagman, personal conduct. What are these guys doing? I haven't even heard of any any of this stuff. Don't you remember the Chad Kelly incident Well, the last Chad year? Kelly, That was yeah. a good one. I yeah. like
1: that story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's... Pr- The the child being involved makes it worse. But the Reuben Foster deal is kind of very similar to this, right, where, you know, his girlfriend or I don't think I know it's not Reuben Foster's wife, girlfriend, whatever she is. This is for twice now has made these accusations and then, you know, recanted and the suspension still comes. So it's curious. I'm curious. I just I'm to. It's the only thing I can figure. It's the only logical thing, and there probably is no logic to this because there's never been any logic to their disciplinary ways well, at that's the, the NFL. But I don't know uh, exactly. I don't. Did you see before we move on? This has nothing to do with this. Did you see Jalen Ramsey pulling into
2: camp today in the Brinks truck? It was awesome.
1: I mean. You know, Antonio Brown every year showing up in helicopters and Batmobiles, whatever nonsense he did. Rolling up in the Brinks truck is brilliant. Now it's throwing shade, as the kids say, to the nth degree. I normally don't like all that nonsense, all that fully gully stuff,
2: but that one got me, man. <laughs> that got me. That was funny. I, I did appreciate that. Hey, do you know what happened on January fifteenth, nineteen
1: nineteen? I don't remember. I was. <laughs> I was busy that day in,
2: in Boston, Massachusetts. You don't know
1: probably nothing good
2: if it's Boston. No, it was. Um, the temperature had risen above forty degrees in Boston. Of course, this is what January fifteenth, so okay. it was so it was a, a, a heat wave. That's a right? blustery,
1: uh, balmy day in Boston. That yeah, there
2: was day. a tank at uh, near Keeney Square on Commercial Street, which was fifty feet tall. And 90 foot in diameter. Like a tank? Like a, a tank
1: vehicle of war tank? No, 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 no. Oh. A tank. Okay. A holding tank. Okay. Okay? okay. A holding
2: tank. All right. Well, that changes my vision of yes. this. All right. Yeah. 50 foot by 90 foot. That's a big tank. Yeah. And a holding tank still a big tank, right? right? Contained as much as 2.3 million gallons. Okay. That's a lot of gallons. Yes, it is. And at 12.30 p.m., witnesses reported that they felt the ground shake. And heard a roar as it collapsed. Yeah, you know, a long rumble similar to the passing of like an elevated train. Others reported a tremendous crashing, a deep growling, a thunderclap-like bang. Ooh. These are witness accounts. They and, people talked so much cooler back in yeah. The early and a machine 1900s. gun-like sound as the rivets shot out of the tank.
1: Ooh, it's very descriptive. See, that's journalism right there. That's good stuff.
2: <laughs> yeah. Molasses. What do you need to do? Two point three million gallons of molasses was in this tank. As it collapsed. Hold on.
1: Why is there just a giant tank
2: of molasses? Because sitting? it was at the Purity Distilling Company. Oh, okay. And they use molasses. All
1: right. Molasses it, in January. Is that where you're going with this? No. Did I just
2: hit on something? No. But it um <clears throat> Killed twenty-one people. What? <laughs> Death by molasses? Think about you it. you Drown in it. Two point three million gallons of molasses. That that and how heavy that stuff is. That's in January, <laughs> slower
1: than molasses. <laughs> I bet you that's where it came from.
2: It, I don't know, but it, it killed people, horses, dogs. Um, coughing fits became one of the most common ailments after the initial blast. Um. Antonio D'Astasio, walking homeward with his sisters from the Michelangelo school, was picked up by the wave and carried, tumbling on its crest almost as though he were surfing. Then he grounded and the molasses rolled him like a pebble as the wave diminished. He heard his mother call his name and couldn't answer. His throat was so clogged with the smothering goo, he passed out. Then his eyes opened to find three of his four sisters staring at him. Good Lord. (laughs) That's crazy, He's just hanging out on the street and And, boom, molasses everywhere. Molasses surfing. Wouldn't that be... That Would
1: not be fun. Well, if you knew it was coming, it would be fun. Like, if you could plan for molasses. it, molasses. I mean, you ever try to get that and just a little bit off your hands? I'm not certain I've ever, as a standalone product, had molasses. No, I just thought maybe your mom made molasses cookies or I something. Don't think, and, you know, really, Oh, I love it. As those an things. ingredient in many things, I'm yeah. sure I've. I don't think I've ever had it, like, put it on my bread or something. You oh, know? really? Not not that I can remember. Maybe when I was a kid and I don't no. remember. I've, you know, I used to put. Because we grew up like Amish, so it sounds like something we would of eaten yeah.
2: you know what i mean but it doesn't stick out i me. used to put molasses and or sorghum like on biscuits yeah, it, good love it but i don't I think i have, like but i don't 2.3 million gallons of it no but that's um that that, that how was, do you find this stuff where did you find <laughs> that? i don't know i just look for things <laughs> between your
1: twitter trolling and your who employs you that's what i want to know i that, can't say <laughs> let's talk about it
2: rick put, flager
1: <laughs> I had that the dream. Asylum. I had that dream. So, you know, I, I was telling Rick I did have a dream where I'm going to win the lottery and build a big podcast studio, and I was going to hire him to run it while I was out spending my millions, but then I remembered what a horrible employee he is, so I don't think I'm going to do that. But we'll still do the show.
2: Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want to run it anyway when I could just be a luxurious star like yourself. A luxurious star. Yes. I could pull that off. Indubitably. Oh, God,
1: if I won the lottery, I'd be dead in an hour and a half. I know. Mountains of blow. Mountains blow. Nah, early.
2: not often you have to get the studio built first. Fair enough. But it's gonna be hard to resist. Then then you could be like um you know, Al Pacino. We just have the bowls of it sitting there yeah, while you're doing of, the show. I, I don't know, you know
1: why that always goes. When I have money, I think I'm going to start using cocaine. I say that a lot, so I have to believe somewhere in my subconscious that's what I want to do. So I might as well just go for it, right? I guess. Why not? We probably get out of here, huh? Or you got yeah. something else?
2: Nah. Right. Just wheel me to the studio. <laughs>
1: wheel you to the studio? Yeah, I guess you're not going to. Will getting... me, W I L
2: L. When you die, oh. you know. Oh after, yeah, I after forgot after you... I was gonna die. Yeah. Build the studio first, then you can do the mountain blow. Right.
1: Give me the studio. All right. We better shut it down. But, yes, I'll do that. St. Thanks so much for joining us this week. We will be back next week, same time, same channel. Check everything out. Fulltimefantasy.com, at fulltimefantasy on the tweeters. Asylumfantasysports.com, at asylumfootball, asylumfootball at gmail.com. Good stuff. All right, Rick, I'm exhausted. Until next time, we'll see you. Take care.